All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. We roll through lovely Thursday afternoon. Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show, Eminent Sports Leader, TSN 1260. As always, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, where essentially... When you go to playalberta.ca, you get to experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device. Sign up today as a new player and receive a $50 welcome bonus. Use the uh, promo code SPORTS50 as we uh, welcome to the show Jason Strudwick. Strudy, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. Really good, actually. A little bit cooler today. I'm feeling pretty good about life. Nice. Uh, were you dash five or six against TR? No, is that what he's talking about? Oh my God! I shut down him and Lankow. It's like enough, enough, buddy. We just ran over them. Did they? Did he, he made the playoffs, right? I guess he did. Yeah, he must have in the Western League. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He was a hell of a player. Like he, oh God, you know, yeah, he, he was really good. I think that, uh, just my opinion, but I think that he. He's a little undersized for the way he wanted to play, and and I, I you know, I think that, t- that he didn't go to the right franchise. Like Montreal was the worst place he could have gone. I think he needed somewhere else who understood him, and then you know, I don't think he helped himself sometimes, but I just think that was a really bad fit going there, um, as a very un- outspoken anglophone in a in a very French organization. So, yeah, it's too bad because um, I think he he was a much better player than like he, he should have played in the NHL longer than he did. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And um, funny dude, uh, he's doing really well for himself now. He's on Shorezy and he's got yeah. a few other acting gigs. Uh, he's coming to town for the roast for uh, for Kevin Lowe. So that's uh, with Larac and McTavish. Uh, Craig McTavish really funny too. So Tilly and Kathleen McGee, good set of roasters this year. It's going to be uh, loads of fun. 
uh, if you want to go. Uh, I recommend getting your tickets. Uh, you got about mm, 10 days left to uh, to get your tickets. Uh, you can go to uh, kidsportroast.com. That's the easiest way to get your tickets at uh, kidsportroast.com. Uh, Starting, we had uh, an interview I had with uh, Vincent DeHarnay in uh, hour number one. And you know, he, he talked about the, you know, he's, he makes a list for himself at the start of the summer on what he wants to work on. You know, he talked about he's had a skills coach for the last few years. That's really helped him. Uh, for him, he doesn't just like to do the same drill a hundred times. He likes to mimic game situations with certain things that he does, and he feels like his puck skills are really improving. I'm, I'll be honest, I'm kind of bullish on DeHarnay. I think Vincent DeHarnay has a really good chance to uh, to be a guy who can who can play top four minutes for you. Like I look at the role Cody Cece plays, and I think DeHarnay will play the exact same role. Doesn't bring you a lot of offense. He's not going to be a power play guy. It's going to be penalty killer and five on five. You know, I, I read your art, the article or the or the I guess the article of just talking about what he said or your, your interview with him and you know i'll just comment on the first thing he said there you, you talked about practicing and there, there's got to be practicing with purpose and yes. i think it's for anything though the, everything it has has a reason to do it when you're younger you're kind of just learning the skills right whether it's skating or shooting or passing what stick handling whatever it is and then as you get older it has to start doing it so that when you get into game you've already done this pattern a thousand times but you've done it under pressure with your head up um figuring out what the options are out of it like there's so many different layers to it so when i read that i was like oh man i was like geez i like the way he's talking it's like hockey porn right to hear a guy talk like that like that this is how he his his practice is all about um so, you know, he seems like a guy that really is understanding who he is and where he fits in the world of, of this game. And, you know, boy, top four, would that ever be a fine for the Oilers if he can get up to that level? Um, yeah, like I'm not saying to start next year. I just, yeah, I, honestly, I think that's, I think I won't be surprised if you see that from him in the future. Yeah, I, I, I th- man, I don't want to be the bad guy, but I think a little bit that is a challenge for him is he's already 27. You know, so how you know he's he's improved a ton and he's he's done a lot of things, but does he have that much more juice in him still? Um, you know, being two three years away from thirty, you know, like that is it's just there's if he was twenty three, I might feel differently, but he's has he as he getting close to maxing out his skill set? Um, and I hope I'm wrong, but that's the only thing that has make you hesitate. But he went from a seventh rounder to now an NHL player, which is. You know, I don't know how many seventh rounders have played in the NHL, but there are not many. Uh, although Joe Pavelski's one, so obviously someone got it right. But there's there's not many. So I, I think for him, though, you know, everything he talked about in that article about what he needs to work on, he is very self-aware. And you know, the idea of taking a couple of weeks off, uh, getting his head away from hockey, and you know, I don't, it, it, that's a great thing. And then he'll get back in there and, and start working on what he needs to, right? And having, you know, this is what I talked about: an action plan. What is your action plan? What am I working on this summer? You can't just go in the summer thinking, oh, okay, I'm just going to work out. Yeah, I want to get in better shape, but no specifics to that. Or I need to work on this. Or, I want to get better as a hockey player, but no specifics. When you have specific things, you can nail it down, like one after the other, and you can really see the improvement. Then you can go back the next summer and say, okay, did this work? Like, did working with Jason Greger help? Or did working with Jason Strabrick help? Like, you can figure it all out and then say, okay, yeah, I did. Let's do more of it. Oh, no, this didn't work. Let's try this in there. And you got to have a specific action plan it can't just be drifting into it you know again when you're younger that's okay when you're 10 12 14 you're just trying to get better your whole game is it's not even close to finished product 
But now he's at a point where he is, and he's got some money now where he can invest in himself um, with with some maybe extra help. So I'm the, the, after your first year of the NHL, I can tell you it is a huge eye opener, and you know what to deal with uh, or how, how what it's going to be like. So you, you change so much that second year is way way easier. Doesn't mean you you just become a way better player, but it's easier because you understand the travel, you understand the players. Uh, you know, he talked about the strength of the guys, how quick they are, and I, I thought it was interesting. He said their stick position, because for a D man, there's stick positioning problems too. When you go to pass someone, and someone's got their stick in the lane, you can't pass there, and that's so you got to figure out the next plan. So he's very self-aware. Like any young athlete, I would say, uh, hockey player, suggest you read that one. But I, I'm very excited to see what he can do. I'm, I'm interested, Greg, to see what he can bring um, next year. Can he get into up top four? I mean, that would be amazing uh, if he could. I, you know, and and it's, it'd be a good 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 challenge if if he was pushing guys out of that spot or a guy out of that spot. Yeah, the reason now I'm not comparing him to Chara, but really big guy. Chara didn't really become a dominant presence till he was 25, 26. Now, and I'm not saying DeHarnay is going to be that good because this guy was a you know a Vesna Trophy winner. But can he continue to improve and be? I just think his size and he, the way he skates for a big man is a huge advantage. Right, it's a huge advantage, and you get more experience. And now they open the door, and he just keeps learning. And and honestly, I think the other benefit for him, Strutty, is who he gets to practice against. He's got to shut. He's got to go and practice against yeah. McDavid and Drysdale, and that's going to make you better. I honest, I think otherwise you just get lit up. So I, I think it can help him get better. So um, you know, I, he's not Chara, but I just I won't be surprised as the season progresses next year. If you see him, because the orders, the one thing we didn't talk about this season, Strutty, for the orders, they're top five defensemen, and I'm including Barry and Ekholm as one, because when they were traded for one another, right? So Barry was a top four defenseman until he got traded. Ekholm came in, he was top four. The orders' top five defensemen missed a total of two games this year. Mm-hmm. That's it. Two. Yeah. Right? Cody Cece missed two games. Uh, are they going to be that healthy again? I hope so. But the odds will tell you probably not. So, you know what? Uh, and DeHarnay and Broberg, uh, eat, they played 46 and 36 games respectively, which basically took up the uh, the number six spot, right? And then they, they dressed seven defensemen, I think a total of 34 times, which is how you had Nima Linen and Murray's when you add all their games played together. Um, and I know that obviously some Davis Murray was playing when there was only 60. But I look at, at the health of the Order's blue line. It was extremely healthy last year. I hope it continues. But odds will tell you that you know it might be five games here, six games here. And you, I won't be surprised some nights, Strider, that you see uh, DeHarnay. Now, he did play 20 minutes one game uh, this past season. But I won't be surprised if you see him up around, uh, you know, he was he averaged 13 minutes last year. I think he'll be higher this coming season. Yeah, I could see that going up. And I, I wonder if the Oilers changed their um... – how can I say this? If they if they do more management of minutes through the through the through the regular season next year, you know, if if they try to bring the bottom guys up a bit more and bring the top guys down and just manage those minutes over the over the entire season more to make sure that everyone kind of goes in there as fresh as they can, um, and then then also as em- empowering those guys as much as possible, right? So instead of playing, you know, uh, X, you're playing X plus three minutes. And that goes for the, the fifth and sixth demon and, you know, kind of your eight to 12 forward. Can you get those guys more minutes so they feel good about their game 
all year long and, and you're kind of managing everyone's minutes and thinking more for the playoff run than you are um, for regular season. Although I'm not downplaying the regular season, but I think that, you know, they, they, they have to look at everything. And that's one area I'd look at. How do I get all my guys more minutes and kind of make sure everyone's feeling good about their game and you can roll four lines more in the regular season, assuming everyone's healthy. Jason Greger, Jason Strutt, Connor Halley with you, and I'm with the Sports Theater TSN 1260. It is a Thursday edition of uh, Help Me Understand. So uh, send in your Help Me Understand. We'll get to those in about an hour. We've got a few good ones coming in. So uh, just start it with Help Me Understand on any topic. It can be uh, fun, can be serious, sports, life, whatever. Text them to 101260. We've got a few good ones coming in. Uh, we will return, and uh, Rashog will join us. The, uh, the order's off-season continues, NHL playoffs, um, the Arizona debacle, and more. The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 325, Thursday afternoon, Jason Gregor, Jason Strudwick, Connor Halley with you. <laughs> the Help Me Understands. God, it's one of my favorite segments. Oh, love it, uh, especially when the listeners chime in via the text with some of their questions and beauties today. So we'll get that at about uh, 420 today. But uh, first, let's get to the Rashog Report, brought to you by NextGen Transportation, supporter of numerous youth sports teams and a big sponsor of the uh, Spruce Grove Saints. Looking forward to seeing what they bring next year. That's nextgentransportation.com. Ryan Rashog joins us. Uh, Shogger, I had a a one-on-one sit-down with uh, Vincent DeHarnay before he left, uh, spoke about the uh, challenges he had a few games in the playoffs, uh, what he learned from it, uh, how he bounced back, and then what's his focus in the offseason. Obviously, he feels he really wants to work on his his puck skills. Um, I I think there's a chance that Vincent DeHarnay, um, not maybe next year, but will be a guy that pushes for top four minutes down the road for the Orders. What do you think? Maybe we don't have them. Speechless. Absolutely speechless. Yeah. So. Shaw, are you there? Yeah, sorry about that. I was outside and the dog was barking, so I muted my phone and then I walked inside and forgot to unmute it. Um, when you said that, I went, uh, and I don't, and no disrespect whatsoever to Vincent Darnay. What I'd say is that I think he has the ability to become a really good third-pairing guy. Second-pairing guy, like a true second-pairing guy, I, I'm not sure that he has puck skills um, needed for that to play against high-end elite competition. So I don't want to limit him. I don't want to put a ceiling on him. My instinct is he's going to be a really good third-pairing uh, third, third pairing defenseman. And that, they're, you know, at 26, 27 years old, there'd need to be a pretty dramatic increase in his ability to handle the puck and, you know, that sort of thing. And so if that's what he focuses on, then maybe, yeah. Yeah, and it's it, – like I, I said the thing I think is 27. That just makes me a little bit leery. It's not like he's yeah. 23 and has a lot of years, and I think that's um, – but I think that he's a valuable guy. And when you look at this Oilers D, and even the timing of how the Oilers kind of got going, he was like, you know, finding $100 in your pocket. He came in and he, he helped do a lot of things well. Oh, and, and he I was think, like finding a million five on your cap. Yeah. You know, yeah, right. for cheap he came in and did something that, you know – but, yeah, no, sorry to interrupt you, but, yeah. No, and I and I think when you're looking at it, like the the, the PK, 
they've got to get, you know, we've talked a lot about the five on five, and I, I think everyone agrees, including the players and the GM and the, and the, and the uh, coach agree that they need to get that element. But I think the PK is another area. They really have to figure that out. And I'll use some words that, that, um, Ken Holland used yesterday is that everyone has skills to defend, right? It's just a willingness to do it. So, you know, where That's do you go with this PK? Well, it's getting in shooting lanes, but mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it'd be, I know when you score, what do they score? 18 shorthanded goals that kind of comes off the, off the ledger. The, but the problem with that is that when you need a kill in a crucial moment, do you have those same skills I've been talking about five on five defending, right? Yeah, that's the, point. that's the challenge. So I, I, and those are specific moments. So I'm talking, not talking about 82 game schedule. I'm talking about game four, you know, whatever it is in, 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 in next year's conference finals. Can you get it done? So I, I think they have to take the same approach to five on five defending as they do the PK uh, overall. And that's including the goalies and the forwards, not just the D. So desperation to be in shooting lanes at all costs. Um, from the forwards, I would say that, okay, picture the forwards and the way they battle in the offensive zone trying to get the puck back so they can get their cookies, right? Think about how hard they work in the offensive corners, the dogged determination, the crazy, you know, when they're at their best. Bring that to the other end of the ice, too. Like that same desperate energy to win the puck back um, as you have in the offensive zone. And I think there's players who have more intensity in the offensive zone to win pucks back than the defensive zone. So that's the forwards end of it. Uh, the D-men, I agree with you. It's, it's, you know, being willing to engage in battle and own your paint. Um, you know, it was described to me by um, somebody who I, you know, a coach who I respect that, it seemed like Vegas had people in the oiler paint all the time. Just all series long, they were there. They were there. They were there. And so commitment to defending, I think that's part of it too, is to just engage in those battles and make sure you own that real estate. So I agree with you, Struds. I do. I think it's a good point. And I think, I think they have the personnel to do it. Like Nurse can do that. Ekholm can do that. CC can do that. DeArnay can do that. And Bouchard is learning. So uh, I think I think you know a bit of an upgrade there, but a focus on that from the start of the season. To your point, Struddy, that being becoming part of their identity, and and I would I would agree that it's not right now. Well, that's also I think it's very noticeable because the orders are a team that don't really go to the net. If if you look at how many goals do you see the orders have in second, third opportunities, hammering home in front of the net, funneling guys to the net? Vegas did that constantly, so it looks like there's guys there all the time because that's their game plan. Zach Hyman even talked about it. It goes, sometimes you just simply get back to the point, put bucks on net, rebounds, score. I really think, and Hyman even said it, that's an area that this team, I don't think they consistently have enough guys. Like, watch how many times they'll push the puck back to the blue line, and there's nobody even remotely close to the front. Yeah. Greg, I know I know this. You notice this because I sit next to you. <laughs> it's funny, Strudge. Every time, puck will go back to the point, shot on net, nobody home for the Oilers, and Greg's pointed out every single time. Nobody there. Nobody there. And I, I agree with you, Greg. It happens, it happens far too much, right? Uh, I think too many guys want to flare off into the sweet spot to get the pass nobody saw coming, and not enough guys are like, just get your ass there because you know that's where it's going to go. 
more robust rough and tumble. So, yeah, I agree with you, buddy. And you've been harping on that for a long time. Yeah. So, Stretty, how do you get guys to do it? It's got to be, it's got to be part of your game plan, I would think. But it's got to be a commitment. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything we talk about, it's you, you don't just start in game eighty-three. It's it, there's got to be, and I, I hate to, but like an action plan. These are the two or three things we're going to just work on all year to make us a better team yeah. in the playoffs, right? And that's that's reality. And so it starts it, it starts like tomorrow or yesterday actually, and and you have yeah. to get those things into it and work in your DNA because it's not in their DNA right now. It's not in the Leafs' DNA, and you have two teams that are very talented, who who've had good regular seasons, that are now sitting out watching. And then, like, yeah. just watch it for Oilers fans. Watch the Canes tonight. Watch how those guys skate and get to the net. Watch how Florida gets them. Like, you know, these guys they work so hard to get to the net and just get there. And it's so hard defending. It's just wave after wave after wave of players getting there. So, you know, I don't, I don't think the Oilers have to recalibrate their entire game. But I, you got to highlight, well, we've just hit three things. Defending your own zone, PK, and getting to the net. Those but three But I like things. what you said, though, Strads, about how it has to be an expectation, not just in the playoffs, but in the regular season, too, right? So Ryan McLeod should be expected to finish checks in the regular season, too. Not just when playoff time starts and you go, oh, look, he can do that, too. No, that should be the expectation of that player. You have to finish checks during the regular season so it comes naturally in the playoffs. Tyler Yamamoto, you're on a dry spell. You need to be shooting 150 pucks a day, right? And we watch these guys practice. And I would say that for a guy who was as snake bit as he was, I didn't see that guy firing nearly enough pucks practice to practice day to day. I'm not saying he didn't work on things, but you know when someone's working on something. You know they're like out early rifling 25, 30, 40, 50 pucks before anyone else is out there. And I don't see that. And that, to me, that expectation, like the players in that room that aren't McDavid and Dreisaitl, they need to have the best summers of their life and come back ready to try and meet the standard that those two set. They should be, they should be embarrassed if they come back and, and aren't ready to improve from where they were this year. Every, those two set a standard, and everybody needs to meet that and figure out the way they can meet that. And those are two guys. I mean, I'll pick on McLeod and Yamamoto for this example, but you get what I'm saying. The standard needs to be, you know, this is the work ethic required to make the incremental improvement that gets you that win when you needed it. Shocker, not you're just really whether gonna... or not McDavid and Drysaddle can come through in the big moment. You're really going to enjoy the interview I had with Ryan McLeod that I played tomorrow on the show. What did he say? Well, we talk exactly. Well, you'll have to tune in tomorrow. We talked exactly about that one specific thing that you just mentioned about. And did he uh, say yes? I need to hit more in the regular season. Well, I can't tell you that answer. You'll have to tune in tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, tell me if I'm right. (laughs) I want to know, but I don't want to listen all day tomorrow. (laughs) Well, it'll be in the first hour. It'll right before you come on. Fine. uh, There you go. There you go. Um, You look at uh, Vegas and Dallas. Who do you like? Who do you think wins? I like Vegas. I think Vegas. I mean, I know Dallas is a real, real good depth and the better goalie. Um, I would say, but I think Jack Eichel's playing like a beast. I think Vegas has great depth. They just toppled the Giants and the Oilers uh, through discipline and game planning and hard work. Um, so I like Vegas on that side of it. You guys, who'd you pick? Strutty. 
I got Vegas in six, man. I don't feel totally comfortable with it, but I, I the, my, the the wild card for me is the goaltender. The goaltender yeah. for for Dallas can can steal games. I don't know that Aiden Hill's going to steal games, so that's a little bit of a. And then Miro Heskinen. I mean, he's playing. What did he play? Thirty-two minutes the other night. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. Yikes. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. So you can say that again. I so, I actually picked Dallas. Um, we did. Because, how many? Yeah. Uh, I, I picked Dallas in seven because if it gets to seven, DeBoer never loses in seven. So I had to take them in uh, in seven. But I, I think it's a close series. I really like Heisken in that series. And I, I think the one thing Dallas will do different that Edmonton doesn't do, Dallas goes to the net all the time. Joe Favelsky's probably the best tipper in the league. I don't think oh. there's much debate and on that. And he's on fire right yes. now. Yeah, so uh, Rupe Hints. I, I like da- like Dallas. It's a it's a really good matchup across the board. I think Vegas one to six has a better defense score, but I think Dallas has the best defenseman in the uh, series. Yeah, that's and fair. and Jake Ottinger over Aiden Hill all day long. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, they're definitely advantage goaltending to Dallas in that series, but um, I don't know, man. Who do you think the best player in the series will be? I think there's a chance it might be Eichel. Yeah, no, it could be Eichel. Um, Rupe Hintz has had a really good playoffs. Yeah, he has. Uh, yeah. So I uh, I like that. What do you guys like in uh, in the East? I got Florida. They're yeah, the it too. team this year. Uh, I'm kind of done betting against them. You know, they kind of make you look goofy a couple couple rounds in a row. So uh, I love the attitude. I love the swagger. Um, I think the coach is the right coach for that group. Uh, I just think they got something real good going on, and you don't topple those two teams and then spit the bit in the third round. And I love their goalie, man. I love their yeah. goal. Their goalie, that's he's he. I think he's making a difference all over the ice. I, and but I love Carolina's defense, and that is a pretty good. Freddie Anderson's no slouch, right? But yeah. that D for Carolina is good. So I'm not sure that uh, they got the same thing going on with the Florida D. Yeah. Yeah, it should be good. I, I mean, we'll go six games just out of respect for, you know, whatever. We try and guess these games. Who knows? Like, honestly, you might as well just say in six every series. Yeah, I said in seven for Florida. But, I, <laughs> again, I don't feel – it's such a weird I, – I don't feel confident at all, right? That's kind of scary. Yeah. Shogger, have yourself a good one. I'll wait for your response tomorrow on Ryan McLeod. You'll be I, fired I, up. I, That's all I know. I cannot wait. I, I just cannot <laughs> wait to hear this. <laughs> See you guys. Uh, Ryan Shog from TSN. Who do you like? Texas at ten twelve sixty. Dallas. I know the Dallas Vegas one really has order fans torn because Vegas <laughs> just beat your team, and Dallas. For if you're a little bit older of a fan, you hate Dallas because they won five out of six head-to-head matchups over a six-year. What was that? Uh, from '93 to 2003 because they didn't play in 2002. But they met Edmonton won in '97, then Dallas won in '98, '99, 2000, 2001, and 2003. So I can understand if you don't carry a grudge as a fan. Are you really a fan? It's just part of it. It's one of the best parts is you're able to have, like, you can't carry grudges in real life for the most part, not unless somebody does something. That, but in sports, I think it's totally fair and acceptable to carry a grudge for a long, long time. Like, it's totally fine. We'll come back. Uh, Strud's on next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. You can text us at 10 12 60 or email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, jgregor, tsn1260.ca. 347, Gregor, Strudwick, Connor Halley with you. I'm at the Sports Theater, TSN 1260. Gregs, how do I get tickets to the roast? Uh, easy. Go to kidsportroast.com, Al. 
You have about uh, just over uh, 10 days to get your tickets. The uh, roast will be on Friday, June 8th. So get your tickets at kidsportroast.com. I will uh, guarantee you, you will have a good time. Struddy, I think, has been to uh, all the roasts. And uh, any, everyone has been entertaining. Even even when Struddy was getting roasted, he found it entertaining. Oh, it's amazing. It's so much fun. It's it's a great night out for everybody. Like, you're going to just love it. Now, let's get to Strud's On, brought to you by GS Construction. You know what? We'll get to that later. It'll be a good one. I know. It excited. will be a good one. It'll be I a good one. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Strud is, uh, he's been telling me all about it, so I can't wait. Almost as much as Rashad can't wait until tomorrow for uh, Ryan McLeod. That was a good tease. It was like a day-long tease. It was probably a little too far, but once I was committed, I had to stick with it. But uh, I, I, it will be uh, curious to see what uh, Rashad has to say when he hears that uh, tomorrow. It should be, um, it should be, uh, I think it's safe to say, it'll be, uh, it'll be entertaining to, uh, to say the least. Anyway, um, what won't be entertaining, unfortunately, and hey, I understand why there's uh, there's bigger things than sports in life. Sometimes I think we uh, we've all realized that as much as we love sports, there are times when it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, sports isn't the uh, uh, the most important thing. Uh, unfortunately, but um, let's get to uh, the racing report brought to you by Cantorque, and uh, they have so much that needs to go right now in spring cleaning. They've got discontinued pneumatic torque wrenches, flange spreaders, alignment tools, and more savings of 20 to 40% off. And all the items are brand new. Check it out at cantorque.com. Colin uh, Livingston uh, joins us. And uh, Colin, uh, you know, unfortunate news um, for uh, F1. As they, you know, they uh, they've had to um, the uh, racetrack. Uh, there was risk of flooding, and uh, the race has now been uh, canceled. Um, it was officially canceled yesterday, I think. And you'd send me a note. That's the uh, seventh time in uh, in history in F1 that a race has been canceled. Of course, uh, once in 22 after Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, the COVID season had many uh, races canceled. And then prior to that was 2011 in Bahrain when there was civil unrest. So it is rare, but uh, unfortunate. Uh, that That's kind of the world you live in. It's hard to race when you have that much water. Racing motorboats. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, F1 definitely made the right call. Um, it, it started earlier in the week where, where teams and, um, F1 was on site getting everything set up. Um, and, and they were, um, they were told to, you know, a lot of the teams actually had to leave the area from their hotels, go to, you know, drier land. And, and they were originally told, like, don't, don't bother coming back here until we give you the all clear. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, major flooding in the area in that Imola region. Um, I've seen lots of pictures. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's shocking. Um, you know, we could obviously use that kind of water here right now to help with forest fires. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, unfortunately the race, um, you know, has just, has just been outright canceled and, um, uh, then, then they'll move on next week. So it's, it's, it's out. It's not happening again. Does this affect like the, the points race or anything? Do they, do they change that at all? Because it's maybe less races for them to accumulate points. 
No, I mean, it's it's obviously one less race. It's not going to affect a whole lot. I mean, it's a 23 race season. So going down to 22 is is not going to be the tipping point. And, and at the end of the day, it's the same for everybody. They're all they're all able to, um, you know, get get as many points as anyone else. So, you know, the the, the Red Bull, the Red Bull juggernaut is not going to be uh, uh, not going to be unraveled because of this. That's for sure. If anything, it might just keep the points race a little bit closer, sadly, uh, the, the way it is going right now. So uh, no F1, and obviously um, they're not going to reschedule it either. It's just going to be uh, it's just going to be done. Um, now um, there are a few things. Um, uh, IndyCar, the, the race last weekend, cons like you've talked about it, Colin, many times. Like right now, I think you can make a strong argument from a pure entertainment standpoint. F1 right now is more entertaining to watch. Uh, I I would not share that no, opinion. IndyCar, sorry, IndyCar is more entertaining to watch than F one. I would say, um, really simply that F one might be more entertaining, but not because of what happens on track. They they parade around celebrities, and there's a lot of pomp and circumstance, and there's. Yeah, it's a very well put together show, but as far as pure racing goes, nothing on the planet is, is close to what's happening with IndyCar. And, you know, obviously a lot of people listen to the show. We, you know, you get a lot of comments and I'm very thankful that you keep the more negative comments to yourself, but I, I defy anyone to prove me wrong. Um, you know, I don't care if you're talking about NASCAR, IndyCar, F1, um, whatever it is right now, as far as, as far as major racing series go, um, IndyCar is where it's at from, from a pure racing standpoint. You know, again, the, the, the determining the sorry determining factor for me is the fact that any any weekend any race you don't know who's going to win you don't know who's going to step up you don't know who's going to have that little bit of an edge and when you can see a, a field of you know 20 plus cars qualify and they're within you know 1.1.2 seconds from fastest to slowest in some cases they'll qualify within a second of each other i mean the parity is unbelievable and the the difference between success and you know essentially being a loser which nobody in that series really is 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 just the smallest margins um it's to me it's it's far more entertaining and and i'm just loving what they're doing and the the race last weekend the the grand prix uh at indy where where they're running on the road course is not generally the greatest race but man they put on a great show you know three cars were battling all day up front there were great battles in the middle um you know, not a lot of contact. Um, you know, two teammates got into each other at one point that, that brought out the only caution, like in the early, early stages. And, and man, it was just great racing. Talk a little bit about the tire strategy that different racers had that affected the race. So in IndyCar, F1 has three uh, main tire compounds on any given weekend and and every weekend they get labeled as soft medium and hard which could be different things depending on where they go there's actually five grades of tires um, that just get uh, different labels every weekend but there's there's three grades and you have to go through two uh, compounds throughout a race in formula one indycar has a primary tire and a soft tire you have to run both for um for a minimum i think it's two green flag laps is considered a stint um 
but you know the 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 soft tire in some situations is going to be you know very high performing and in some situations it's just it's either too soft or it'll it'll degrade way too quick and what we saw on the weekend is the the teams that tried to start on the soft tire um had a had an early advantage that went away um but watching uh, what these teams were doing, it, it, it was super fascinating because everyone knows that in the beginning, the, the soft is going to have the advantage. Some people were able to make it work. Some people weren't. Um, and, and once that, that crossover happens and, and the first set of pit stops happens, you know, and again, keep in mind in IndyCar, they still refuel. They do, you know, at the, the Grand Prix, there were th- at least three pit stops. Some teams did four, um, where Formula One now you're, you're really only relegated. You know, most, most of these races are run in a single pit stop. So there's not a lot of pit strategy anymore unless there's a lot of cautions. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really interesting. So the, the guys that figured out how to how to place their tires on the car uh the the um the eventual winner alex pillow he started on the on the primary tire did his one stint on the the softs in the middle and then ran the rest of the race on the on the primary he ended up winning by 17 seconds which doesn't sound all that interesting but the 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 big gap happened towards the end of the race where some guys tried to tried to make the uh the soft tire work and you know it just didn't pan out for them so just again like little things like that make a huge difference and and the the uncertainty that that you get from from an indycar race again is what i find uh, most exciting uh colin the it was interesting i didn't get to this we had some text questions last week and one of them asked do you think f1 would there ever be an appetite to ensure two pit stops each race uh, i think for sure there is because the more the more um variable you add to the race the more entertaining it becomes so where these tires are in formula one right now i mean there's uh, drivers aren't are, are really discouraged from complaining about this stuff so you don't hear a lot about it and the things that drivers do say are, are really muted but most of the drivers right now really hate this new tire it's it's bigger um it's it's really sensitive and the grip level is not great um you know the car by by all accounts is way too heavy um so the more that they can do to to you know have what what everyone calls as deg like the tire degradation the more of that that you have the more entertaining it's going to be because what ends up happening is the really good drivers who can control their cars and can feel what that tire is doing are going to have a bigger advantage than the person who just runs qualifying laps every single every single lap around there um absolutely the more the more uh pit stop that they can get into the race uh, the better it's going to be Yeah, I think it would. I just think it would add for a little uh, entertainment for sure, I, and it's fair for everybody, right? Um, it's something that I've always wondered. I know at some, you know, tracks they have it, and and obviously it's different and depends on the length of the race and all those sorts of things. Um, uh, what's coming up on the uh, the karting this week, on? Uh, well, I'm uh, 
I'm I'm setting new benchmarks for how to suck in go karts. Uh, <laughs> I, I found so many ways to screw up my racing the last two weeks, um, but we're working on that. Um, you know, really great fields. We had 28 carts out last night at uh, at um, Rojo Rojo. Pardon me, uh, Rotax Mojo Raceway out in Warburg uh, for the Off Camber Carter Series. Um, just just awesome fields. Uh, really good racing. I, I mean, I got to watch most of it from the sidelines. Um, and it looked, it looked like those guys were having a lot of fun. Um, off to Toronto tomorrow, uh, join up with Tag and, uh, run our second, uh, NASCAR Pinty Series race at, uh, uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Uh, that's going to be awesome. I think we've got a great car. Um, our car was awesome last weekend, but um, unfortunately we were taken out towards the end of the race and ended up finishing towards the bottom. But the car was super fast. All of our 22 racing stuff is just uh, has been great. All three cars have been performing very well. So uh, hopefully we've got our, our bad luck behind us and um, Alex can show this field why he's the best driver out there. And uh, hopefully we get a W here on Sunday. All right, man. Good luck. Uh, we'll chat with you next Thursday. You bet. Thanks a lot, guys. It's Colin Livingston in the uh, Racing Report, brought to you by Can Torque. Uh, Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick. And let's get to the Con Man and a Sports Center update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. All the power you need to get the job done, whether you need uh, agricultural tractor, Zero-turn mower, subcompact tractor, they have it all at edmontonkubota.com.